wasn't long ago that I had an interview with, a, I think, a very enlightened soul, a, a being that is free, a free spirit, and and he just probably sees himself as just, hey, I'm just me. His name is Peter, uh, Peter Frank. Is that your last name? Yeah, Peter Frank, and Peter is from Escanaba, and it was. Um, a couple of years ago, was it last year that you went on the unicycle? Yeah, that was last summer. He has an amazing story to tell, and I just think his spirit is a spirit that exists in all of us. Maybe that's just my opinion, but I think we all felt that way at one time. Not only that, but I think his take on things is really an enlightened, what do I know, but it's kind of a different, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting view on things. So we've talked a bit. So he came in to promote an event he's doing, on the radio, and of course we want to help him and support him, but I just thought it'd be kind of cool to have him on my podcast because he's got a lot of things to say, and he's a gentle soul, it appears, and he's uh, he's gone on some interesting journeys, and I want to talk about, too, the manifestation that you did when you were on that journey, but how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and I just like to say thank you for having me on. I like talking to people. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you do, and you seem like a well-spoken guy, and you were injured, how old were you when you got injured? I was 14. And you were hurt pretty bad, right? Yeah, I, uh, I ended up having two surgeries and then three later on because of a complication. But I was run over in a leaf pile when I was 14 years old and I shattered my L1 and L2 vertebrae. So I ended up having to get airlifted to Marquette and I had to have two titanium rods implanted along my spine and one in my right femur and I eventually got hyperthyroidism from getting run over so I had to get my thyroid cut out a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. And how old are you? I was uh I was I think 17 or 18 wow. when I got my thyroid cut out. Really? Yeah. But you seem to be managing pretty well, huh? Yeah, I'm stuck in uh stuck in the theme of taking medications for hyperthyroidism but other than that you know other than that you're doing pretty well health-wise you must be because you went on an incredible journey so you wanted to your parents were able to stay at there's a place now those people listening are not necessarily on the podcast they might be in other parts of the world but we're talking about upper michigan and marquette is about 60 miles to the north of where this broadcast is from and your parents stayed in a place called the beacon house is that correct yeah and so this provides like a free space for people for over, because how long were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital for a month. And how long did they have to stay up there? They, they stayed up there for the entire month. Wow. And of course, if you just stayed at a hotel, it would be outrageous. So there, is place, there are places that offer these facilities that allow you to stay there and people will donate. So this was your inspiration when you decided, what did you decide to do to raise money to help out the Beacon House, what did you do last year? Well, I uh, I really wanted to do something big in my life, uh, as you know, growing up around other icons and other people that are just kind of like pursuing things. So obviously, I'm not you know the first of no. the people in the entire world to ever. But you I know, think do it's just an but, incredibly cool idea. But uh, but I think the more people do this, these kind of things, the more people around them get inspired and want to do good things. You know, maybe I can reach out to somebody who's 14 that's, you know, trying to get their life in order and trying to 
find out what they want to be when they grow up and, you know, before they get locked into some nine to five and have to stay there for 40 years, maybe they can do something really crazy and have that on there. Well, and be free, you know, because you must've felt like you were totally free when you were. Yeah, 100%. When you're traveling like that. So he decided, Peter decides to take a unicycle. I don't know why he just didn't take a bicycle, but why did you choose a unicycle? Well, a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons was when I was run over, it really halted a lot of my passion for unicycling. I enjoy being different and um, I'm a pretty outgoing person, so that kind of mixed well. And I, I liked unicycling ever since I was 11. So I had been unicycling for a couple of years prior to getting run over. And uh, when I was run over, I shattered my L1 and L2 vertebrae. And because of the injuries that I had sustained, the person who did my back surgery had told me that there was a high probability that I wouldn't be able to unicycle again because of, you know, what it was going on in my body, you know, if I got injured again, you know. Um, so it took a year and a half before I went back on the unicycle. <laughs> and when I did, I just, I, I unicycled every day nonstop. I just, I loved it so much to be back there doing my passion. It's like... Um, so then you, what made you decide... And how did this all come together? You decided to leave Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah, so my, my brother lives in Appleton. So that was, uh, and he helped me a lot with setting up the bracket mounts for my unicycle for carrying my luggage. And so since I had the unicycle built there, I figured, yeah, that'd be a good place to leave from, you know, build the unicycle here. This is its birthplace. So I'll, uh, I'll leave from there. And then I w- unicycled to... Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, which is where my sister lives. <laughs> so I took a really long cross-country trip. So that's, trip. Really, that's well over 1,000 miles, probably 1,500 or more, right? 2,400 miles. Wow, so make it 25 almost. Yeah. And how long did that take? 99 days in total. Did you plan on 99 days or just that, how long it ever takes? You know? I anticipated four to five months. And did you have food on the way or did you... How did you plan on did you camp on the side of the road or whatever? And yeah, most of the way it was camping, and uh, I had very mini- minimal amounts of gear with me, so it was just kind of like a sleeping bag, tent, bedroll, and uh, I carried a bag of food with me until I got to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and when I got to Albuquerque, I dropped I think like twenty pounds of gear, and one of those bags that I dropped was the, my food bag. So after that going through the desert and everything, I didn't carry any food at all. <laughs> really? So it was, uh, because by that point I, I already wasn't eating a lot. I actually, I was, uh, tempering around with, uh, veganism. So I was, I was a vegan from June 28th, which was the day that I left last year until I think March 27th of this year I stopped. So, so you were telling me that you must, well, you must've lost a fair amount of weight when you were vegan like that, not eating as much, Tra- bicycling, or, I mean, unicycling across the country? I don't think I lost too much weight. Really? No. A lot of my diet was nuts and seeds. In the beginning, I was eating like fake meat until I, you know, right. I, that, that's a big controversial subject because that's like one of the biggest industri- industries in the United States right now is just veganism. So we wonder why but right <laughs> not getting into that um i i did eat a little bit of uh fake meat like 
Burger King crap and stuff <laughs> for like the first, I think, week or two. And then I was like, what am I doing? What is this stuff? You know, just kind of questioning right. what I'm putting in my body. So then after that, a lot of my diet was um, like nutrition advice recommendations from like big companies that capitalize on money, not health, mm-hmm. which is kind of ironic. So a lot of that was like eat almonds, eat nuts, eat seeds. So that's what I was doing. And uh, I was basically exercising every waking hour of the day. So uh, a lot of my muscles were being built up and not deteriorating. But of course, if I was like living in a house working a nine to five on that diet, I probably would have been extremely malnourished. Mm, Okay. (laughs) So you were able to make it on on not a lot of food. Right. And uh, I'm guessing you had a fair amount of water going through the desert. Did you keep a lot of water with you? Yeah, I carried three water bottles at all times, and I'd fill them up whenever I could. Um, and then you were telling me that, and you raised how much money doing this for the Beacon House? Over the last year, we raised 28000 That's amazing. And I asked you, because, you know, I think we're so divided. You probably recognize that as well, that we seem divided as a nation about over everything. And, and it's gotten so serious and I asked you what I thought was a really cool answer that you gave me about what were the people like that you met along your journey of 2,500 miles? Am I allowed to talk about COVID stuff? I don't care what you talk about. Okay. This is a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the people that I met were extremely nice. I'd say the majority, maybe 90, 95% of the people that I met. And I think I only met like, a small number of people that were just kind of weird. Um, and I know why they were weird, but you know, I'm not here to judge anyone, but to me they were weird because like there were times when I was at like a family video or sorry, a family dollar picking up, uh, water and, and, and food and stuff. And, and I would open the door open for a couple and one of the couples uh, it was the, it was the guy in the, in the relationship. He came in and he was, he was putting on his mask going into the store and he yelled at me while I was opening the door for him and his wife. And he says, where's your mask? Like very militantly. I'm like, what? I'm only a door. I'm leaving the store. He's like, he needs to let me know that I'm in the wrong for not wearing a mask in the store. You know, like, I don't know. It just seems like a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Like, why not just say thank well, you? People were afraid. I think, uh, or they're believing what they're told. And so that's part of it. And some people got angry about it because they felt others were endangering. I, I hear your points, and I agree with your point about that. But that's kind of how I saw why people acted. The way. They were brainwashed to believe certain things, would you say, right? If there's a lot of fear in society, I think that the people on the receiving end of that fear will ridicule people who are not in their group or in their clique or whatever their view is. And, and I, yeah. yeah, we have to kind of understand that a lot of people are afraid, even if they don't want to admit it, there's a lot of psychological fear and trauma being pumped out these last two years. And, uh, and I, and I try and make an effort not to get frustrated when people get angry with me over things like that. Um, I don't know. It just seems like bullying. <laughs> it is. We live in a world that's not perfect. You know, I look at it as 
words only have power if you let them. A word cannot hurt you unless you choose to let it have meaning in your life because you're going to run into it your whole life. At least my life I have at different times. And so I always feel we have a choice in how we can react to that. And truly, if I come from a centered place of love, then those things don't bother me. It's when maybe I'm not quite as centered. And it's like, hey, what are you talking about? But um, you had a pretty good trip, and you met a lot of people, and they were helpful to you. And they would invite you to stay with them, right? Some of these people even? Yeah, there was a lot of people on the way that just said, hey, you need a place to stay. Uh, I had uh, There's one person, Kimberly, in Wisconsin. I was just at the age of Wisconsin. And, uh, and I was riding in a town, and she said that she had driven by me and saw me on the unicycle um, as I was going into town. But there was no shoulder on the road, so she couldn't pull over. So she ended up driving all the way back around through the roads that I might have gone to and found me again as I was going through the town and had uh, sparked up a conversation and says, wow, what are you doing? You know, this is, this is awesome. And, and she uh, invited me to stay at her house with her family and then set me up with a couple of her friends along the way that I was going. So I had wow. friends to stay with, uh, along the, along the next few days. And, uh, it's just overwhelming kindness. I described the people that I met. And I think a big part of that is, uh, people can easily live vicariously through others and especially people that are they're in, uh, inspired by. So like seeing, something different like a unicycle it's just kind of first of all a great conversation piece right. and uh and a conversation starter so people engage in that and then they're interested in the story and uh they kind of live vicariously through that Absolutely. i guess freedom even if i hadn't have realized i was living free yet or until like the end of it i was like it's like wow i really like this lifestyle yeah <laughs> you know? well i think we all secretly inside this is what the battle of the planet is going on, in my opinion, is the freedom that we all want to return to. Because I think there was a time that we were as beings on this planet. And we're seeing it more and more how controlled we truly are, these last couple of years especially. How, and then there are those of us, like you not wearing a mask, that feel like, okay, I'm a free being. And I'm sure your intention would not be to ever infect somebody if you felt you were ill. And, but that people believe there's this, this herd mentality that they start believing all this, th these things that they hear. And if you've been, if you're one who questions, you start to see things maybe a little differently. And I'm guessing you've been like that a good part of your life. You've always been looking at things a little differently, questioning things, right? Especially the last four years, but it wasn't really until the last four years that I started. Started seeing things in a different light, huh? Yeah. A lot of the way my brain, my, <laughs> my goodness, a lot of the way my brain works is I just kind of, um, I live vicariously through a lot of other people and I've learned a lot from the people that I'm around. And, uh, if I'm not around people, it's, it's harder for me to learn, I guess. So I, I try and surround myself with, with people that I think that I could learn from. And so now this journey took you all the way out to Phoenix, Arizona, and then you made your way up to Los Angeles. Was that where you went? Yeah, I uh, I wanted to keep going. I didn't want to, I didn't know what to do exactly, but I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I'll figure it out. So I'm like, all right, well, I want to go see Los Angeles. I want to go see the ocean, right? Because I, I had never, last time I saw the ocean was when I was like six. So 
I got a backpack, took the bracket mounts off my unicycle, strapped the unicycle to my back, and threw everything I had in this backpack, which ended up being only 15 pounds. And uh, and I backpacked and I hitchhiked along, I think it was I-10, down from Phoenix, Arizona to Los Angeles, California, and then from Los Angeles to St. George, Utah. And so when you got to... LA, you met a, a, a young gal, right? That's right. Uh, her name was Kelly, and I met her because I was sitting outside of a restroom, an outdoor restroom, and um, and she was waiting for, and you know, Los Angeles is pretty packed, so there's a lot of people in line, but I was next in line for the restroom, but uh, she taps on my shoulder and says, hey, I really have to go. Is there any way that I can cut in line? And I'm like, yeah, of course, go ahead. And, uh, but she had her guitar with her. So I was like, all right, I'll watch your guitar. You go to the restroom. So I waited until she got out and then I went to the restroom. And then once when she got out, I asked her about the guitar and she was a musician, um, playing music, living out of her car in Los Angeles. And, uh, she and I got along really well. So, uh, her and I kind of like bunked together in her car for a couple of days. So I stayed in Los Angeles we hung out, drove around a little bit, and uh, and I decided one day that I was ready to keep going along the way. And uh, along the way was Las Vegas next. So, is um, she also wanted to go to Las Vegas? She had uh, she had said that there were musicians up there or something that she wanted to meet. So it was kind of like a beneficial thing for her as well. So um, we didn't really have any money or any way of getting up there because we didn't have money for gas because in california it was like five five fifty at the time for, the time, for a gallon yeah. of gas yeah. at the time it's probably like seven yeah. i think now um and it's still gonna keep going up but so you were gonna so tell everybody if you don't mind what you did to bring this forward so uh we went to a gas station and we we're just kind of like brainstorming ways to kind of make up like a hundred bucks to go up to Las Vegas. And, uh, and she was on the phone with somebody. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go over on this corner over here. So I went in the corner of the gas station on this little grass spot and I, and I crossed my legs and I was just kind of like really iffy about manifestation and spirituality at the time. Cause I was just, I haven't really seen any evidence in my life. I'm kind of like, Judas and I'm like I need to see it to believe it kind of but you know I'm also um I like to think about stuff so I was like all right well I'm gonna try it right no you no harm in trying things so um I didn't really know how to try it so I just kind of sat cross-legged on the on the corner and I closed my eyes and I tried my best to clear my mind around you know the busy streets it was loud there's a lot of cars and and I try to clear my mind with a with a blank slate, and then uh, manifest positive love. And I tried to focus all of my energy into believing that I was in Las Vegas. Right. That's that's mainly the best way that I could describe what I was thinking about. But um, I sat there for maybe like ten minutes, and then uh, and then I got up. You know, I'm just kind of like nothing happened. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> You know, no harm in trying. So I got up and I was like, that was a nice meditative exercise. And I went back to the car 
and uh, there was this gentleman who had filled the entire gas tank for $90 while I was sitting there in the corner. And uh, whether this be coincidence or whether it be, you know, positive love through manifestation, um, there was a gentleman there, clear as day, filling up the gas tank, paid $90 out of the blue, didn't even know us, came over, said, do you need help with anything? And, wow. and he's like, I just had a feeling that I needed to come here. That's what he said. So, wow. You don't, do you think there's anything to it then? I don't know. You're just going to leave it like that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm... Seems I, like more than a coincidence, doesn't it? It does seem that way. But uh, well, once again, I... Will you ever try it again? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not for, you know, the expectation of reward. Um, I think if hypothetically it were to have been because of what I did, uh, I don't think it would have had anything to do with my expectation for having gotten a donation if it if I had any expectation um, and I think if I were to do it again it would be hard to not have an expectation based off of what had happened and I think continuing to have a very strong belief that that would happen is hard for me to right it's hard for me to and, just and do that know, again and not have expectations. And if there is such a thing as the law of attraction that exists and how we draw things to us you know, one of the things they say is that when you have expectations, that keeps it from coming. You have to do exactly what you did is visualize that you already have it and allow it to come forward and not worry about how it comes forward. So everything you describe are things that I've done before or people I know or have heard about, and I've had those kind of things happen as well. So I think it's pretty amazing. And the fact that you just go, I don't know, might be, <laughs> might not be, that's cool too, that you're willing to see it that way. So then you eventually made your way up to Utah. Is that where you've, you've obviously found your way back to Escanaba eventually, right? Yeah, we, uh, we parted ways in, in Las Vegas after a couple of days. And I think this was the seventh or eighth day. And while I was in Las Vegas, um, I started walking. I think I walked like 20 miles to a gas station just out of town. And uh, at this gas station, I was just going to throw my sleeping mat down and sleep right in front of the gas station. I do that quite a lot. Hmm. I just after, after you've been out there long enough, you're kind of just like, eh, let's do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I've on my last day on day 98, I slept in front of a police station. Like I just, I dropped my mat and my sleeping bag, no tent or anything. And I slept right in front of the doors of a police station. I figured if I'm going to get like robbed, it's not going to be in front of a police station, you know, like, right. so plus I could just explain to them what I'm doing. So, and nobody asked you. Yeah. Nobody, nobody hassled me or anything. I woke up in a, I woke up in a puddle of rain for not, uh, <laughs> pitching my tent, yeah. but, but that was okay. It was the last day. Um, but while I was in uh, Las Vegas, I was sitting I was about to pitch my, uh, my sleeping mat in front of this gas station. And just before I did, this gentleman yells out of his window and he says, Hey, uh, what are you doing? Cause he saw my backpack in the unicycle and he's like, this is what he said to me. Clear, and like no joke at all. Like, it's just crazy how these things just like happen. Mm -hmm. And like at the perfect times, mm -hmm. like this was like this for like most of the way. And, uh, and I was sitting in front of this gas station. And this guy yells out his window. He says, hey, I need a driving buddy. 
because I am like so tired right now and I need somebody to help me stay awake and I have to drive an hour up the road to, I think it was a town right before St. George. So it was just, just still in Nevada. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. So I threw my shit in the back of his car and, and we drove an hour up the road and he dropped me off at this thing. And, uh, and I, uh, he dropped me off at this, uh, another gas station. And as I was walking to this gas station, this lady approaches me and this lady gives me, we we talk a little bit, but, uh, after she heard what I was doing, she bought me a motel room for the night and I ended up staying in a motel that night. And then that morning I, I walked my way to St. George. And when I was in St. George, it started getting colder cause I was in Utah now and my sleeping bags only rated to 40 degrees. And I know sure as I just know sure as well that winter gets colder than 40 degrees at what, night. Was so. this winter time then? Or you were there? It was close to middle of fall. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was getting, getting a little cold. colder. Yeah. It was getting it's cold. higher elevation too, isn't it? In a lot of those places. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado. I was planning to go through and that, that gets one of the cold, like they have still have snow there in Colorado. Yeah. So up in the Rockies probably. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I, where was I? Oh yeah. So I get into St. George and it's like 45, maybe 50 degrees at night. And I know it's only going to get colder. I don't have any money to get like better, uh, bags or materials and stuff. And I'm starting to kind of contemplate my situation a little bit. And the more I'm pondering and contemplating, um, uh, I just kind of get like burnt out of like worrying cause I don't like worrying. I don't like stress. So I'm like, all right, I'll just figure it out when the time comes. I'm strong. So I go to this restaurant and while I'm sitting in this restaurant, you know, I get something cheap and this guy comes in and, uh, and he sits down next to me and he starts up a conversation with me as he walks in. And, uh, and he says, from the moment he walked in there, he says, I knew that you were the person I needed to talk to. <laughs> this is what he says. I just clear as day. I'm like, okay. So we're talking. I, like, I don't question it at this point. When people do this, like, right. so many times it's throughout like, the week. One could say the universe was sending things for you to help you on your journey if one were open to that possibility, right? If one were open to that possibility. <laughs> Or didn't, you know, still might say, well, I don't know for sure. I, I don't know for sure. I just, you know, I'm just stating what happened. It almost seems yeah. like more than a coincidence, these things keep happening, but they all could be coincidence. Right. So, like, yeah, my job isn't to convince people of, of anything. My job is just to kind of lay down what happened. Right. And, well, you know, people can make their own discernible judgment based off of what they had experienced. But I think it would be a little bit foolish to look at everything in an entirety of, of how I got across the country and mark it off of coincidence without actually pondering there being a possibility of anything else. So what did this guy say to you when he sat down? So he listened to my story and, uh, and I told him about my predicament that I had been thinking about that day. Cause I'm pretty open. Usually when I meet people, I just tell them exactly what I'm thinking about. I don't care. And, uh, and he's like, wow, it sounds like you're in quite a predicament. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this in your hands right now because I know you're on a mission, but you don't have to take it. So there's no pressure, but I'm going to buy you a plane ticket to go back to your parents in Michigan right now if you want it. Hmm. And, uh, and I thought about it and, um, said, all right, looks like this is where my journey ends. So that's what I did. He bought me a plane ticket and the next morning I was on a plane 
and I flew all the way back to Appleton and where my brother lives, where I started and uh, surprised my brother. Nobody knew I was flying back. My mom didn't know until I went up to Michigan and surprised her in person. Were they worried about you? Because a lot of people, I mean, unless your family does these kind of things, or are you kind of the guy in the family that does this? Yeah, I'm the nut job in the family <laughs> that does these things. So they must have been really worried. Yeah. Where is he at now? Oh, I hope he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> mom must have been worried pretty bad. Maybe dad, I don't know how dads might be a little different, but moms are like, Oh, I hope he's sleeping well. Is he getting enough to eat and things like that? Now, these people that you met, did you keep in touch with them in any way? Because some of them were like pretty amazing, generous souls, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, I, I follow a lot of them on Facebook for the people that had Facebook. Um, I met a lot of people that lived out in the Goonies that didn't really okay. have anything. and uh, But they're just some of the nicest people you ever meet in your life. But they're probably still there out in the Goonies living their best lives. So 90% or more of the people you met were very gentle, generous souls. 100%, yeah. And we are painted with this picture that that's not the case anymore. In this yeah, world. and you wonder why we think that, you know. It's like, all right, well, if you evaluate the information on who's telling you that, maybe you can nail it down to a point, you know. So it's almost like they, they want us to be against each other. They want us to be afraid of each other. Would you say that's an accurate, possibly an accurate statement? Well, I think there's a possibility that there's a 1% of people that understand completely of what's going on, um, understand the truth and entirety of every conspiracy theory, everything that's out there that people are trying to fight against. And there is a possibility that, that that group of people owns a lot of everything. And by that, I mean everything that you hear through news and media, everything that your children are educated with in the school system, everything that you're educated with in your, in your twenties when you're going through college is could hypothetically be owned by a select group of people. Um, and, uh, so it programs us a lot, right? Yeah. There's, we're really programmed to think a certain way. Yeah, the human brain is incredibly malleable. So but I see, I see us as beings of love. We are born of love, I believe, and we come into this world, and what you're telling me proves most of the people you met, even with all of us being pulled apart from political things, they still treated you with love, right? And this, cause that's what we are, and that's what we naturally are. It takes something to pull us out of that, in my experience, to become... Generally, we are gentle, loving souls of other beings. Well, there's two ways of looking at this, you see. There's the first way, which is looking at it as um, there's a majority of loving people out there, which may be true. Or B, is that I had a big heart with a very loving attraction and energy and aura to me. And going through this with a positive mind state and the right mind state, I was able to attract the right people along my journey. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. So is the message that we're portraying here is that you can go out there and do whatever you want because everybody's loving, or is it you can go out there and do whatever you want so long as you have that you have that mindset and you have that uh, positive, optimistic mindset, not delusionally optimistic, but realistically optimistic and understanding your situation. Be aware, be mindful. Um, also be kind and be loving. Um because, you know, you're not really going to meet a whole lot of nice people if you're yelling at people 
about not wearing a mask going into a grocery store. That almost sounds like the law of attraction. <laughs> yeah. Which exactly. may or may not exist. Which may or may not exist. <laughs> um, so tell us about the journey that you're going to take now, and you're looking to raise money. You're going down the Mississippi, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to go again on another adventure because I like exploring what's left of our natural world. I like exploring the possibilities and, and I like seeing and meeting different people of different areas and cultures. And, uh, right now I'm planning to take a canoe 2,400 miles down the Mississippi river for three months. And I think my ultimate goal would be to just kind of do this all the time. I mean, if yeah. I, you know, that'd I, be nice, huh? yeah, I, I would want to, maybe sail around the world someday or live on a sailboat or live on the ocean, build a cabin, travel across other countries. And, you know, it's like do crazy stuff. Like I just, I, w- I want to be out there doing it, you know, but obviously there's a lot of hinders in the way and a lot of things you have to prepare for. And, um, you have to kind of play the game, I guess. Right. It's a good way of putting it. Everybody really, you know, for, we're forced to play the game, whether we realize it or not, we're just, this is, this is life, you know, this is the big, this is the big game. Imagine if we didn't have to do that. Okay. Yeah, imagine imagine if everybody, like, traded things that they had. Imagine if, like, 10% or more of the population were farmers and we were completely independent on our, on our own food sources. Maybe kind of like we were at one time. I mean, yeah. think of all the people used to live on farms in this country, majority. And then around the late 1800s, they started moving to the cities and fewer and fewer farmers were out there but people were more independent at one time the joke is is that we're told that we are the most advanced version of the human race so why do we have the most problems Mm. this is this is the big joke is that we are suffering from so many different things right now it's like it's it's almost hilarious and not in a cynical way like haha genocide is funny but like wow we've all been duped you know Mm. kind of hilarious and it's like i can't believe we fell for that and we sit here being told every single day over and over that we are the most advanced version of our of our of the human race so it's like all right well if we start to really believe that we stop thinking for ourselves and start trusting the people that are advanced enough to give us the solutions to the problems that they're creating and it's like when you put it that way, it's like, all right, well, how do I get out of that? You know, how do I start thinking for myself or how do I, um, and you know, there are a lot of people that think for themselves, a lot of people, you know, like a lot of the people that I met along the way, incredibly intelligent people, you wouldn't like blew me away with the amount of intelligent people that I've met. But, um, but I'm just saying that fear is a very, very strong deterrent from, freedom and from truth. And if you are afraid enough, you are willing to do a lot of things. Take a person drowning, for example. You don't exactly have the discernible choices or or actions to, you know, save yourself because you're drowning. And if somebody comes out there to save you, chances are you might drown them as well because you're trying to hang on to them for air. So if you're constantly afraid in this, in this state of 
oh my God, what's going to kill me today? Or, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what's happening now in Ukraine? What's going on with all of these crazy things? What's going on in the news? What's this bad stuff all about? You know, you live in a state of dragging people down with you because either other people don't see things the same way that you do, or you're offended for some reason, or you're not willing to listen because you're trying to save yourself from that fear. And, uh, and I think, you know, is it's a hard thing to do, but I, I think the important thing is to just try not to be afraid. And I mean, there's precautions that people can do to help themselves not be afraid. Like for one, turn off your television. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> that helps. That's a big one. That helps a lot. They just turn off your television. I always go to, for me, I always go to, what's the worst that can happen? Right. I, I won't be here tomorrow. And I believe we go on. As a matter of fact, I know we do in my heart, you know, because I've had my loved ones come back and visit. So, and I think the next place is a place of love, a lot more love. Not that I want to leave, but it's like, okay, so what would happen if that happened to me tomorrow? It's going to happen perhaps at some point. Am I going to worry about it? Not really. And am I going to worry about the events going on in the world? Well, when you, when you've done some research on things, you kind of, you may be wrong, but you kind of see them in a different light as to why they're happening. And then you go, oh, part of this game. And I also am a believer, for me, that I think we are entering a time of great awakening. I think you can see that. You must have met some people that were really seeing things in a different light and on your journey. And I think this is where we're moving. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a, there's a great number of people that I've met in my life and that even people see sitting at their home on social media that have this kind of thing in the back of their head that says something really weird is going on. Like this is really messed up. You know what I mean? And people meet a lot of people like that. And if there's, there's so many people that are sitting there like wondering what the heck is going on, like this doesn't seem right, or they're getting an itch in their stomach. It's like, why are we ignoring that? You know, why are we ignoring that people are now uncomfortable with things that are happening? Like more than pop, most of the population is angry about the gas prices. And it's like, all we can do now is point fingers. Mm -hmm. Really? That's all we can do. Mm. Uh, This kind of applies for everything, but you know, we're a lot of, a lot of things that are happening. We're just kind of pointing fingers. We're playing the game of politics, like right wing and left wing. And it's like, that doesn't really matter because it's just two sides of the same coin. There's, like I mentioned, people hypothetically (laughs) that are in charge of a lot of things. And politics is definitely one of those things. And whether you like it or not or don't believe it, there are people out there that do and are acting upon it. And there are people evidently that are very evil and I don't really want to go into that any deeper than I already have just because it's a really deep rabbit hole but um I don't know just kind of you feel crazy after a while after the more the more you just kind of like open your eyes and look into things and ponder possibilities the more people come to you and tell you you're stupid for pondering that you're stupid for thinking about that some people it's like have you ever heard somebody come to you and say why would you believe that you're stupid it's like right but I'm, when you came to me and told me that, what kind of response did you get? 
I don't remember. I have terrible memory, honestly. But I was very open to what you had to say. Yeah, when not a talked, lot of people are. When we talked, right? So you found, you found like a safe spot. Yeah. And, uh, and this is why I invited you back to allow to say what you wanted to say because I am completely open to pretty much any conversation as long as I think you know, it's not threatening or you know, going to be going down an alley uh, that's going to be dark. Uh, we can talk about it, you know, right. on my podcast, but my podcast is more about sharing an amazing experience, um, the light that you are, which I think you are, Peter, you're an amazing light. And look at what you drew into your life. Like you said, was it the experience that you met a lot of nice people because people are nice? Or is it because your light brought them in? And I think it's a combination of both. There still are a lot of nice people out there. The world tells us otherwise. They want us to believe that. And I also believe that you are truly a good-hearted soul and you just draw those things in again and again. I could be wrong, but that's my hypothetical belief on what I think maybe could have happened to you. And more and more people I see are starting to question. And what's, that's probably the best thing we can do is start to look around and say, well, something's not right here. At least look at it. You know, if we don't, we continue right. to be fed. We've adopted such weird social constructs for, you know, just refuting things and, and changing our information based off of opinion and, and, uh, and yelling at people for being stupid for pondering information. It's like, wait, yeah, but aren't... Like, what do you mean? I'm dumb for pondering this. It's like, I'd be dumb for not pondering it. That's that's the that's the thing. It's like we put ourselves in a box almost. It's like we're presented, you know, like this life and opportunities in our life. But through these opportunities, we we put ourselves in psychological boxes that that hinder us from being open to new things. And and whether these new things are, you know, some kind of, um some kind of you know huge elaborate scheme or something like i know some conspiracy theories and stuff uh are widely rejected and and people pondering those are are widely rejected as well and uh but i guarantee you a lot of the people rejecting that information don't actually ponder that information no they probably don't look into it at all but the thing about looking into it is is that even if we do look into it we have you know large scale corporations like Google and Facebook and stuff that evidently continue to suppress information. So how do we really know if the information that we're seeing right now is even true? Uh, you know, these are all uh, variables that we have to take into account when, you know, searching for real truth. I mean, I mentioned before that I've been duped with the entire uh, health thing with a, with a, you know, like we have almost every single name brand junk food on the entire on the in the entirety of the u.s right now probably the world i don't, I don't know if they have like doritos and stuff and um in china but uh but as as far as like the united states like all of the people who buy these things are also taking health advice from the people who own like doritos and cheetos and and even like the granola bars that are like healthy for you you know right. like all of these things those are the same people who own the people or sorry, those are the same people that own the advice they give you for what to eat. So it's like, it's like, wait a minute. So these people are making money off of us buying junk food, but then they're also giving us health advice to not buy that junk food. Like that just seems a little bit contradictory <laughs> to own those two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So it's like, all right, so who's lying here? You know, is the junk food actually healthy for us or is the health 
advice that we're receiving, not actually health advice. So uh, these are just like things that you have to take into account. And I'm not saying that like I entirely believe in, um, I just really, really like to ponder everything at the table. And you know, the great thing too is like with me, how I determine the truth on a lot of things is things that I witness firsthand has always been the greatest truth maker. And, and the people I've talked to, like yourself and many others on my podcast for many years, I've been searching for a long, long time. And I've found people that have had firsthand experiences with all types of phenomena or secrets about things. And so you start to see, at least through their words, if you think they're genuine, and that's where you have a, have a level of trust, that, okay, there is some truth here. With whether I witnessed something, it happened to me directly, or somebody I really that's close to me, or whatever the case. And that's kind of how I built my belief system. A lot of it mostly has been on, and then you know you draw things into your life. If there's things you want to witness, perhaps you can, like what happened to you, you can have uh, things. I, there's a story I'll tell you sometime if you come back again, which I hope you do. And I'll tell you something that I thought I drew into my life that most people would think is pretty weird. We only have a few more minutes. We want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But if people want to help you out and donate for your journey, just go to Facebook, I'm thinking. Is is there a Facebook place that they can go? Yeah, I, I do have a website that I made a year ago for my journey, and that is whereispeterfrank.com. And... I have everything on there, how to donate to the charity. And then I also have personal donation links in case anybody, you know, kind of like relates to what I'm doing and wants to help me out specifically. But I, um, yeah, I have everything on there. I write a lot on Facebook. I write like every day on Facebook. I'm not recently, but you know, while I'm on the adventures, I have a lot of time on my hands. So I, I write all the time. And then you'll be doing some probably some streaming, I'm guessing, while you're doing, going down the river. Yeah, I, I make videos from time to time. Uh, it'll be a little bit more desolate, so. You might even call me yeah. on the radio. Would I'll you do you. that? Yeah, I could cool. hold your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but you could call me like and tell me, okay, I'm in this city and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, most definitely. I think it'd be kind of cool if you, if you want to do that. If, yeah, you, cool. if you're busy or you just say, ah, I don't want to do it, that's fine. I'd love to. But if you want to communicate, we can kind of have this on-air thing. Where's Peter right now? Boom, yeah. boom, boom. And then when you get done with all of it, if you choose to come back up here, maybe we can do another podcast on that journey. Yeah. I um, There's a couple more things that I wanted to mention. And a couple of those was uh, you had mentioned wanting to see things firsthand to find the truth of what the thing that you're searching for is. And this is one huge reason why I turned to veganism is because I was genuinely curious from a standpoint of being a carnivore my entire young life and mainly eating a lot of junk food through my life. I'm like, hmm, if this really is like the path to whatever I need for my body, you know, I'm going to try it. You know, I don't want to just sit here and be like, oh, I don't want to do that because that doesn't really fit my views. I want to be like, all right, well, I might as well try it. What better time than the unicycle across the country? So that's what I did. I was a, a vegetarian for, I think, four or five months prior to that. And then I moved to veganism on June 28th of last year. And through firsthand experience, uh, I experienced what I can describe as just kind of an out-of-body experience. It was uh, looking back, I understand now, it was like a malnourishment high. 
And really? that's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding you. Like I've done so much looking into and researching over the last few months here because of, you know, what I had gone through and no way to describe it. Um, and I've found numerous amounts of people who have turned away from veganism because of exactly what I had experienced and being malnourished. And, uh, and like you could see it in, in my cheekbones and some of the pictures, like just kind of like the sagged eyes and, and, you know, the, my cheekbones being wrapped around my skin and it was just, it was, but at the time you feel elevated and you don't realize it because you feel like you've reached this new state of consciousness. And I wish it would have been that, but it wasn't because I was eating nuts and seeds and, you know, uh, practically eating myself out because it was, when it really comes down to it, nature is life eats life. It, it always has been that way, no matter what you do. Like if you are farming and you need to eat like three 45 minute bowls of salad a day to get the bioavailable nutrition that you need just to sustain yourself for that 24 hours. All of that farming and agriculture that goes into creating those plants is destroying and deforesting uh, these areas and removing animals and killing animals from their natural habitat, digging up the moles from the ground and killing the rabbits with all of the all of the plants and it's and is killing life to be able to harvest vegetables. This is just how it's uh, like the biggest corporation on in the United States right now is I think over one million acres of uh, of of uh of crops is in order to make 1 million acres of of crops i think it was like 450,000 or something but um but in order to make that much you have to destroy a lot of area versus and, and on top of that you have to fly that over the country to your grocery store for you to go pick it up and have all of this transportation versus going to a local farm driving maybe 45 minutes away to a local farm and picking up, you know, actual bioavailable nutrition for like a pound of beef that can sustain you for the entire day. Like one person can live off of an entire cow. And I'm not telling people like, go eat meat and stuff. Like I'm just saying like, be mindful of where your food comes from instead of like pointing fingers and being blameful, like every other political agenda or, or dietary agenda or whatever is going on. You know, it's just important to understand and look in a mirror sometimes and say, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. This is what my actions are producing. You know, it's just, uh, my message is, it's just, it's important to be mindful. It's important to be mindful. And it also sounds like you're saying that things are not what they appear. They appear to be good things out there that we could do. And there seems to be always be a reason behind it that maybe isn't what we see it. So yeah, there's a, there's a reason why we don't hear about it. You know, there's a reason why they don't tell us how many animals we're actually killing by eating vegetables. And, and you wonder why veganism is one of the highest grossing and highest, uh, profiting industries on the entire planet right now is, is, is because we've basically are being lied to mm. or not told the entire truth. Mm -hmm. And we're being brought to this path of what is supposed to be salvation and saying, yes, this is the, this is the way, but it's really not because we're seeing thousands, maybe millions of people that are suffering from malnutrition and suffering from not getting the bioavailable nutrition that they need because they can't sit there for 45 minutes a day and eat a salad for three <laughs> yeah. times a day. Yeah. You know, it's like people can't do that, you know, like, so they could, if they were a free spirit like you. 
I, I'm you not going to do that. You, could, like, ride I'm, your, I'm, you I'm, could ride your bike a little bit. Let me eat some salad. What no am I going to do now? What I'm am I going to do now? I'm not going to eat three salads for 45 <laughs> minutes a day. There's just there's no way. Like I, I want to have more time on my hands to be able to think. And I want to have that food that I'm spending a low amount of time eating be able to nourish my body so that I can function in a proper way to create the plans that I want to play out. You know, and you just, the question isn't, um, how can I live with death without death? You know, how can I, you know, live the most ethical life? I think the question should be what diet kills the least, hmm. you know, and it's just important to read all sides. You know what diet that. that kills the least? I'm kind Breatharianism. Of, I'm kind of kidding about this, but <laughs> it's called prana. Prana. What's that? Where you breathe in the energy, the food. The ancients believed in this. Yeah, I think we should just, you know, all... If we can go back to that, <laughs> we don't have to worry. Yeah, breatharianism is a, is a, is a big one. I'm really iffy on that because I just, I haven't seen firsthand any Me evidence neither. of it. Me neither, but I think it's possible because there had to be ancient ways. Yeah, think about faith. Before, before all that we have now, how did people survive? There had to be, there had to be some other things we didn't know about, even like the, the shamanistic healing energy healing that I've heard firsthand from others that you will never hear about how shamans could heal bones that were broken and people had their local shaman to go see. And so, you know, there are probably many other things that we're not aware of. We're just about out of time. Anything else you want to say at all, Peter? Um, I come almost. support him on his journey <laughs> if you want, or just watch it. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. Like I said, I write a lot on Facebook. So if you guys are interested in, in my videos or anything that I produce from these journeys that I go on to teach myself things and help others, um, I have a Facebook group on my website, whereispeterfrank.com. And, uh, and yeah. Connect with you if they want. And maybe they'll help you out a little bit. And... Also, I think you're inspiring a lot of people to just kind of live their authentic self, you know, in a way. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I rock on. Be mindful. I think it's cool. Be loving. I think it's cool what you did and how it all came together for you. And uh, I thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you.